Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. 1 Corinthians 13 is where we are this morning in God's Word and the title of my message this morning is this, Love 101. Uh, if you're in high school or in college, you know 101 uh, in a course title means this. It's the basics, isn't it? I mean, it's what everyone needs to know before you go any further. And really, when you talk about love and needing to know what love is, you cannot have a series on love, even if it's a mini-series. We're looking at different subjects each month. You can't go very far in the subject of love without going to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 that really gives us love 101, what it is to love in the way that God wants us to love others and to love each other here in our church as well. One of my most indelible memories of 1 Corinthians 13 actually has nothing to do with church whatsoever. Uh, some of you may remember back in 1997 when Princess Diana was tragically killed in that uh, car accident that uh, at her funeral a few days later, I didn't realize this, but looking this up just a few days ago, they estimate somewhere around 2.5 billion people watched Princess Diana's funeral. I know this in our home, we were one of the ones that had done so ourselves. And I remember that during that funeral was Tony Blair at the time, prime minister of Great Britain, who read from 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And I remember that vividly even so much today that I went back on YouTube a few days ago to make sure that my memory was correct and I watched it and saw that that's exactly what happened. And the reason why he read from 1 Corinthians 13 is because when people think about love and they think about the Bible, many times their minds take a line directly to, well, the text that we have right in front of us here this morning. But as we inspect our text that the world knows today, I would say this, there are few that care to understand it in its proper context. While many may look at it for its poetical value, while many look at it for its great beauty and grandeur, which in many ways is equal to Psalm chapter number 23, it's more than just a love poem. It's more than just beautiful prose that talks about love. In many ways, this passage, Love 101, here in 1 Corinthians 13, is an introduction or maybe a reintroduction to what love is all about. And while love is a word that's on many of our lips, is it really something that we understand in our hearts? And we've talked about the love of God the last several weeks and how we relate to that love. And I think it's important that we started with that. But yet the love that we are to exhibit towards one another, the love that we are to have towards our community, the love that we are to have towards our church, the love that we are to have to those who we deem unlovable is found for us here in 1 Corinthians 13. And that's what I want to present to you here in these few moments we have this morning. Would you stand please, if you're able, for the reading of God's word, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And we'll begin in verse number one where it says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and of a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether it be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I am known in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. For now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Heavenly Father, just be with us this morning. Help me to give the word as I know you want me to give it. May uh, your Holy Spirit cut through my mistakes and my um, difficulties in speaking. And I pray that what would lodge deep in the hearts today is what true, abiding, charitable love should be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The poetic nature of 1 Corinthians 13 is such that it is one of the most read and most quoted parts of all Scripture. Even those in pop culture refer to it in whole or in part because of its lofty and soaring language about the beauty and qualities of love. But yet this chapter is much more than mere poetry. Poetry can move the heart. But this chapter, inspired by God, gives us the beautiful definition of what love is supposed to look like. But before we go too far in the message this morning, we have to address the elephant in the room. No, no, not that there's actually an elephant in the room, but we do have to address one thing, that if this is Love 101, if this is a chapter about love, there was one word that we never read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, and that word would be love. You say, Pastor, did you get confused when you were studying this week? And the answer is, typically, yes, I do. But that's not the issue here that we're dealing with today. The issue is, where is love found in 1 Corinthians 13 when the word that is used in the King James Bible that we use here at Liberty Baptist Church over and over is charity and charity. In fact, it's interesting, when I went back to watch that video once again of Tony Blair reading uh, at Princess Diana's funeral, he was actually reading out of the King James Version of the Bible. However, every time the word charity was found, he actually took the word charity out and substituted it with the word love. And I understand to a point why someone would feel compelled to do that, because if it's the love chapter, then certainly we want to be able to understand what love is. And by taking out the word charity and putting in the word love, it would seem like that would give us a further understanding. But there's a problem. When you start to change the Word of God to make it into what you want it to be, you start to lose the plain and clear understanding of what the Holy Spirit is trying to convey to us. And what we see here is that it's a reminder that charity is not just any kind of love. 
because there are all types of loves and there are all types of levels of love. And when we look at 1 Corinthians 13 in the Greek, the word that is used for charity is the word agape, which is the highest form of love that would have been found in the Greek language. And the English word charity comes from the Latin word caritas, which means Christian love as opposed to a sexual form of love. And the word charity actually appears in different forms 29 different times within our New Testament and every single time within the epistles. And if you were to read all 29 of those uh, examples, you find that it's the highest form of Christian love oftentimes that we give to each other, but certainly that we should also offer to the world as well. And so we look at this word charity and we realize that we can't just arbitrarily change the word into making it something that maybe is more palatable to our language or our time because actually in trying to make something more understandable, we've actually made it more confusing. Instead, we just trust God that God understands his word because Jesus Christ is the word, as it says in John 1, 1. We take the word for what it is and we see that it's charity. And charity is what we have here that helps us understand we must have the highest form of love. One uh, commentator put it this way. How is agape love different from other types of love? The essence of agape love is goodwill, benevolence, a willful delight in the object of love. Unlike our English language, or like our English word love, agape is not used in the New Testament to refer to romantic or sexual love, nor does it refer to close friendship or brotherly love, which is the word phileo, which is where we get the term Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Agape, loves, agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, an act of the will. An act of the will. Well, what does that mean? It's something that you have to decide to do. This kind of love isn't an ooey-gooey feeling that you have inside of you like a lava cake. You ever had one of those? Those are delicious, by the way. Maybe I'm a little bit hungry bringing that up now that I think about it. But the idea is, is that it's not the ooey-gooey kind of love that just kind of oozes out everywhere. It is just, oh, I, I'm in love. No, it's an act of the will. In fact, it's something that you have to decide to do sometimes when you don't want to do it, but that God commands us for His glory and for our good. It is a charity. The best way that I know how to define charity in my own words would be this. A love that gives, seeking nothing in return. A love that gives, seeking nothing in return. And we understand that because of what charity is. When you give to charity, you give, seeking nothing in return. Unless you give your car to Cars for Kids and they'll give you a vacation voucher. At least that's what I've heard from the commercial about 18 million times. one cars for kids K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids, and some of you will be singing that for the rest of the day. You're welcome. Uh, but uh, they'll give you a vacation voucher if you give them your car. But normally, if you give to charity, you get nothing in return because you understand that's what you do for charity. You give, there is no invoice, there is no voucher, there is no method of payment. It's you're giving because out of the goodness of your heart, you are giving to someone that has a need that you can fulfill. But charitable love is this, I am giving whether they will love me back or not. I will give them love whether they will reciprocate that love or not. Can we, can we put it this way? It's the love that Jesus Christ extends to us. Maybe that will help us to understand it this morning because you and I do not always reciprocate the love of Christ. There are some that will actually push Jesus Christ away even though he died on the cross for them and yet knowing that they would push him away before the foundation of the world, he knew this, he still to the end loves each and every one of us and he loves us with a agape, he loves us with a charitable love. He gave that love expecting nothing in return. 
But if Jesus Christ had that love, then he wants us to have that same love as well. Charity is a love that's noted by its uniqueness, its purity, and by the fact that it's a love that should be unique to us as believers. When someone looks at us as a believer, we should be able to offer a charitable form of love. To change the word charity is to change the clear intention that Paul wants us to understand, which is why, although we talk of love this morning, it's important that we understand that it's not just any kind of love, but it's what our King James Bible says, charity, a charitable form of love. There are a lot of forces on this earth. It's the force of gravity. There's the force of moving water, the forces of wind, the force of nuclear power. I've heard it said the forces of compound interest are supposed to be some of the greatest forces on this earth. But could I tell you, greater than any force that you can find on this earth is the force of true charitable love. Charity can change a life. Charity can change the direction of a family. Charity can change the direction of a church. Charity could change a nation. And it was Jesus Christ's charity that changed our hope for eternity forever when he died on the cross. The greatest of these is charity. So why is charity such a powerful force? There, there's a few reasons, and I want to give them to you quickly this morning. Why is charity such a powerful force? And could we just be honest? We could look through 1 Corinthians 13 and do an entire study on every single one of these elements that are found in here. Uh, love is uh, where it says charity suffereth long and is kind and envieth not, it vaunteth not itself. We could do a study on each of these characteristics to help us understand it. And I would encourage you, if you're looking for a Bible study to do for yourself, go through 1 Corinthians 13. Take Take a, a, uh, a concordance and go through and try to search each of these out. I remember one of the first Bible studies I did when I got saved was go through 1 Corinthians 13 and pluck it out verse by verse, characteristic by characteristic, going through my concordance, Old Testament, New Testament. It will be something that would behoove you this morning. We don't have the time to do that today. But I do know this, we can give you an overview and maybe whet your appetite for more. But as we look at this power, this power of charity, there are four reasons that we see uh, that uh, make it such a powerful force. The first of all, I see this. I see the necessity of charity, the necessity of charity. We must have charity. It's not an add-on. It's not something that you get to have that's a little bit extra for the Christians who are really doing well. No, we have to have this charitable love. Do you see what it says in verses number one through three? You can speak with eloquence. You can have the gifts of prophecy, of understanding, and of knowledge. You can have faith that moves mountains. You can give all of your earthly goods away. And it says you can give your body to be burned. Do you know what that means? You could die in martyrdom. You could give your body to be burned. But it says this, and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, maybe you didn't get that. You can have faith to move mountains. You can give everything away. You can give your body to be burned and have not charity. You're nothing. It's a necessity. We have to have those. In case you don't understand the severity of what Paul is conveying to us, it's said three different ways at the end of three different verses. Verse number one tells us if we are not right in charitable love, it accomplishes nothing. 
we're told in verse number two, if we don't have charitable love, I am nothing. And in verse number three, we're told it profiteth me nothing. So what do we have? We see that without the necessity of charity in my life, I am not what God has called me to do, but it's not as if, well, I'm doing okay, but I could do better. No, he says, you can just take it off the board, the sacrifice that you've made. You can take it off the board, the faith that you think that you have. Not that you would lose your salvation, but the understanding uh, that, that, that the, the good that you think that you are doing, the crowns that you think that you are going to have uh, at the, at the uh, judgment seat of Christ, all those, those riches that you think that you have achieved in heaven. No, you've laid for yourself treasures on earth. You've not laid for yourself treasure in heaven. And because of that, it amounts to nothing. Well, pastor, I mean, I may not have the greatest heart, but as long as I do good things. No, no, that's what the world says. No, that's what the world says. What does the world do? The world does atrocious things, makes money, and then they try to give money away to charity by the millions and try to make themselves feel better. That's what the world does. But God says this, if you have not charity, it profiteth you nothing. Without love, our works become a trinity of worthlessness. Verse 1, it accomplishes nothing. Verse 2, I am nothing. Verse 3, it profiteth me nothing. Literally a trinity of worthlessness when we do not exhibit the love that we are to have. But I see not only the necessity of charity, but I also see the qualities of charity. And I wish, oh, I wish that I could just take time to go through verses number four uh, all the way to verse number eight. Look at the qualities. J just follow along in your Bible in verse number four. Uh, it, it, we see that charity, that the right kind of love, the greatest form of love, it suffers long. You say, Pastor, I'm suffering right now. Well, look, I can't help you. We'll be done in a moment, okay? Uh, but it's a, it suffers long. It's kind. Uh, it, it, it doesn't envy. Uh, meaning this, if you love someone, you want the best for them, even if it's better than what you have. No, our human kind of love says this. I want you to do well, but probably not as well as me. Hey, you know what charitable love for another pastor does? I'm happy when they have a better day than we do. I'm better when they have a bigger offering than we do. I I'm happier when they get a building given to them and we don't. Yeah. You know, it's funny when we start applying this. It sounds great in concept but it doesn't always feel great in the application. Charity loves the person who got the promotion you deserved. Charity loves them anyway. Charity loves the one whose ship came in when your ship, you don't even know where it is. That's what true charity does, it envies not. It parades not itself and promotes not itself, where it says it vaunteth not itself and it's not puffed up. Listen, love doesn't have to tell everybody how loving it is. Could I put it this way? Love doesn't need a PR team. It doesn't need someone to come and tell everyone how great and lovely they are. Listen, charity can give away without having their name put on a building. Charity can give away without the right hand knowing what the left hand is doing. A charity gives away without uh, the town needing to know that you are the great benefactor. No, charity gives because it looks out for the needs of others. It doesn't vaunt itself and it doesn't puff itself up. William Carey is thought by many to be the founder of the modern missionary movement, a great Baptist. Today, Christians all over the world knew, know who he was and honor him. He came from a humble place. He was a cobbler, which is a shoe repairman, when God called him to reach the world. Once when William Carey was at a dinner party, a snobbish British lord 
tried to insult him by saying very loudly, Mr. Carey, I hear you were once a shoemaker. To which Carey replied, No, your lordship, not a shoemaker, only a cobbler. He says this, I'm not even who you think I am. I'm not even the shoemaker, I'm just the shoe repairer. Today, the name of William Carey is remembered, but nobody remembers the name of who the snobbish lord was. His love showed itself in not having a big head about himself, vaunteth not himself, behaves itself rightly. It looks out for the needs of others. It loves the unlovable. That's what it means, not easily provoked. It loves those who provoke you and those who test you. Oh, no, I'll, if you love the people who love you, congratulations, you've done what the world has done. Because the world loves those who love them. Listen, look at a Hollywood red carpet and you'll know the world loves itself because all they're doing is glad-handing themselves and patting each other on the back and mwah, mwah, and all of that. It goes on and on and on. But no, no, but the red carpets don't go through the homeless encampments in Los Angeles. The red carpets don't go through the slums in Los Angeles. The red carpets don't go through those places because uh, they love their own. But if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. No, no, what do we do? It's not easily provoked when those who provoke us we don't provoke in turn. We show them love. Thinks the best of others. Does not rejoice in sin. Listen, that's why it says, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. And lest you think that the idea of love is soft and to love everybody and love everything and, and there's no definition to it whatsoever. No, it's quite the opposite. True love loves God's way. True love exalts the word of God. And true love uh, understands this, that sin is not to be exalted. And what God calls sin is not to be exalted, whether the world wants to exalt it or not, or whether the world wants to change the definitions or change what, what God has said. No, no, true love loves what God loves. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I don't even like not just reading them and not even expounding on them, but we'll be here till five o'clock just going through all these if I just don't read over them. We got to move on. This shows us one unquestionable truth, that love isn't an emotion but it's an action. These show us that love is not an emotion, it's an action. And I remember I was in Bible college, there was one preacher who actually has Alzheimer's now and probably very soon will pass, his name's Richard King, but I remember him saying this when I was in Bible college, love is a choice we make and an action we take. Love is a choice we make, an act of the will and an action we take, meaning concrete steps have to be taken once the act of the will is done. We can't just say, well, I love everybody and then not take action because this shows us the choice needs to be made and here's the action that true love would take. So we see the necessity of charity, the qualities of charity, but I also see this, the supremacy of charity. Oh, look at this. Drop down to verse number 13. Now, uh, now and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. By the way, three amazing things. Where we saw a trinity of worthlessness a few verses ago, nothing, nothing, nothing. Here's a trinity of worth, of hope. It's even right there in the middle of it. Faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity. Now, what's funny is if I was to sit us down around a table and we didn't have this text, and I'd say this, let's, let's have a debate. In Bible college, we call this coffee shop theology. 
That means we sit around an hour, nobody wanted to do their homework, so we talk about something, uh, about something for an hour, and then when we left, nobody was any closer to the answer than when we started. We had a lot of fun, but we didn't get to the answer. Imagine we didn't have 1 Corinthians 13, and we just sat around together and said, all right, here's a discussion. Faith, hope, charity, which one's the greatest? You know, I feel like after a while, nobody would agree with each other. And maybe if someone did, someone would say faith. I feel like that would be the conversation that we would have because all have amazing qualities. By the way, God's not saying that some of these are great and others aren't. But he's saying that one is the greatest. I don't know that if we didn't have this text that we would be able to identify that charity was the greatest of all. And maybe you have trouble understanding that. But here's where I don't have trouble understanding it. It says it right here. Faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is charity. And why is that the case? Why is the supremacy of charity what it is? And the reason why is we have faith because of charity. We have hope because of charity. Without charity, there can be no faith. Without charity, there can be no hope. We could put it this way, of the three, the root is charity and the branches, faith and hope, come from the root system of charity. Why? Because if it was not for the love of God, you and I could not have faith or hope. And that love of God that He showed us is what we're to radiate to this world. Galatians 5, 5 through 6 says this, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So I see in those two verses three things mentioned. Faith, hope, and love. But he says this, what makes it all work? Love. Love. The greatest of these is charity. And think about all of the attention that we put in growing our faith. And we should. I mean, when I read my Bible every day, I want to grow my faith. I mean, isn't that part of the point? I mean, I hope by the time you're done reading your Bible in the morning, you say, boy, I got less faith than I did yesterday. I would hope that it grows your faith. Your prayer time should grow your faith. You know why? Because you pray for something and then God blesses and he does it. And we were just talking about this on Wednesday night, another reminder of probably about a hundred that we receive and that we pray for something and God blesses it. I mean, that grows our faith. But of all of these things, the underlying factor is charity. It's the supremacy. We work on our faith so much, or we should. How often do we work on our love? No, no, I mean, I mean we literally will map out our day about our devotions. And I mean, that's the way many of us are, is that we think, okay, I need to read my Bible today and I want to read my Bible today. And you know, you get the coffee ready, you get the pen ready, you get the notebook ready or whatever, however your system is that you work. I know me, if it's early in the morning, there better be a cup of coffee next to me or Bible reading is gonna get a lot harder. And so I have that cup of coffee, I'm ready to go. I've grown my faith. Maybe during the day you realize, I didn't read my Bible this morning. And so when I get home, I want to read my Bible. During, during break, I need to read my Bible. Maybe you read your Bible at night. I don't know. You don't have to read it in the morning, believe it or not. You read it and God blesses. But here's what I know. We work so much on our faith, but if the greatest of these is charity, why don't we put that level of thought, that level of precision, that level of emphasis on love that we have one for another? But it's an afterthought. But it should be love 101. 
It should be the very basics. It should be what we do right up front. Why? Because it's the supremacy. By the way, the more we love God and love others, the more we grow our faith. And the more it gives us hope. And by the way, that hope is not, boy, I hope I get to heaven someday. No, no that, that hope is a firm conviction of a future event. A firm conviction of a future event. I have hope in heaven. It's not that I hope I make it like, you know, I hope that the, the car that doesn't have much gas makes it across town. By the way, I did that this week. Bad move, all right? Uh, <laughs> Lord, just uh, let me run on fumes until I get to the gas station. That's fine. You know, that, that'll stretch your faith in a little different way. But I'm so glad that when I leave this life that I don't have to hope. Well, I hope I got enough to make it. Oh, well, if it was up to me, I don't. But because of what he did, I have an earnest expectation of that future event, the supremacy of charity, the necessity of charity, the qualities of charity, the supremacy of charity. But also look at this, the endurance of charity, the endurance of charity. Now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Once again, verse 13, the, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Uh, look above. It, it says uh, that when uh, we have done what we've done in part, verse 10, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is done will be done away. And I believe that's talking about the word of God. And I don't have time to get into that right now. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And then it says, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Meaning this, it's verse 13 doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's talking about these other things of things that are there and then will be gone. And because love endures, charity endures, and the others don't, is another reason that is the greatest. It's endurance. Think about this. One commentator put it this way. Love is greatest because it will continue, even grow in the eternal state. When we are in heaven, faith and hope will have fulfilled their purpose. We won't need faith when seeing God face to face. We won't need hope in the coming of Jesus once he comes. But we will always love the Lord and each other and grow in that love through eternity. Why is charity last? Because it endures. You don't need faith when you're looking at Jesus face to face in heaven. Your faith will be sight. You don't need the earnest expectation of a future event because the future event will happen. Jesus will have returned and we'll be in heaven with him. But love will still endure. And could I put it to you this way, just plainly here this morning? If we have to love one another in heaven, we probably ought to get a head start now. Say, well, he's saved and I'm saved, but I don't like him. Well, <laughs> you will when you both get there. Well, God won't make me. He won't need to make you. All of a sudden, all will be revealed. And he was, if we're going to be that way in heaven, couldn't we just start now? Hey, there's a bunch of people in this room that know Jesus Christ is their Savior. At least that's, that's our testimony. If we're going to love each other in heaven, anybody want to get a head start? We might as well know. Well, you don't know what they did to me. It'll be settled when you get in heaven. So settle it now and get on to loving one another so that we can love the world as we need to love the world. That's what we are required to do. That's what God has called us to do. That's what God has put within our heart to be able to do. By the way, that kind of love you can't do yourself. That kind of love you just can't muster up by yourself or conjure up or just, well, I'm going to love because you know what? There's some people you want to love them and then you want to kick them in the teeth the next moment. Now, I don't know if I can get my leg that high, but if they lay down, I could kick them in the teeth. Maybe I had to knock them over first and then kick them in the teeth. But it's like, I love you, 
but if I had a choice between loving you and knocking you out, it might be 50-50. Well, get it right. Love gets it right. Love gets it right. Love is the one that says, I want to do it. Well, tell me in the Bible where I need it. Love wants to do it. And 90% of conflicts in church, 90% of conflicts in families, 90% of conflicts that you find just about anywhere is where people are exerting their own will and their own desires at the expense of someone else, and there's not the love that needs to be had. Listen, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You say, well, how do I do that? 1 Corinthians 13, go back to love 101. Wives, love your husbands, the Bible says. Uh, parents, love your children. Children, if they can hear me back there, which I hope they can, but children, all of them back there, need to love their parents. We're to love one another. We're to love the world. Next week, we're going to talk more about loving the unlovely. That's going to be the message next Sunday morning. So if you have somewhere you need to be, make your plans now. But I'll tell you this, we're going to talk next week about loving the unlovely. Because I think we need that. I need that. But Love 101 says this, i got to make a decision to love because it's greater than anything. And think how important your faith is to you. But yet Christ says this, of the necessity and the qualities and the supremacy and the endurance, the greatest of this isn't love, it's charity, charitable love. The greatest of these. So why do we put so much attention to our faith? Which, by the way, we should. Because remember, it doesn't say faith and hope are worthless. No, it says, without adding the scriptures, could we put it this way? All three are great. I think other scriptures bear that out. Without faith, there is no salvation. Without hope, we are men most miserable. We need faith and hope. But love is the root of what gives us faith and hope. The love that Christ has for us and the love that now we radiate towards others. Will you make a decision today to be a lover? That sounds funny, Pastor. Well, it's meant to sound funny a little bit. But there's a serious truth behind it. That Love 101 tells us that we are pretty far from anything. We could go through any one of those unique qualities, and we would see this. I fall short in almost each and every one of these areas. And areas that you do well, there are other areas that you fail even more miserably. Say, Pastor, who do you think I am? I think you're made of the same flesh that I am. And we struggle with it. But with the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, if you're saved, he'll help you. I'll say this and I'm done. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you don't know the love of God. I mean, you've never experienced the love of God. And, and you, can't, you can't do this and just make it happen. No, the first love that you need to experience is the love that Jesus Christ expressed to you when he died on the cross for your sins. You can know that you have a home in heaven someday. You can have full assurance of that by repenting of your sin and calling upon Jesus Christ to save you. And today, as not very nice of a day it is out there, and getting worse as we speak. Although I should just keep going because nobody's going anywhere for a few minutes. As much as it's not a nice day outside, it's the perfect day to get saved. I couldn't think of a better day to come to know Jesus Christ, your Savior, than on this day. But let's make the decision Decision, uh, love is a decision that I make, and it's an action that I take. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, 
please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in his word.